Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. Really hope everybody is prepared and ready for Thanksgiving. You have everything that you need to cook and bake and and everything else that goes into your Thanksgiving Day plans. I hope you have a lot of fun ahead of you on Thursday. The Saints, well, they'll be at practice on Thursday. They're practicing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. Then they'll head to San Francisco on Friday. They'll have practices, walkthrough, et cetera, Saturday, and then the game on Sunday. It is a 325 central kick, and you can watch it on Fox. To help break down the opponent for this week, the San Francisco 49ers, we're going to bring in the ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers the team, Nick Wagner. He was actually at that game in Mexico City, so we're going to talk to him about that experience and then how the San Francisco 49ers have been doing, especially since they have acquired Christian McCaffrey. Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing very well at quarterback. Hopefully the Saints can get the best of a San Francisco team that's been playing very well of late. Nick, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Appreciate getting your perspective as you were just with the team in Mexico City covering that big Monday night football game. And of course, you're going to be there with them all this week as they prepare for us and the Saints on this Sunday's game. How are you doing? Are we settling back in after the travel? Yeah, it's been it's been a long week, Aaron. We were in uh, Colorado Springs for the week last week, trying to acclimate to altitude, which is a challenge for the football players, but even for the reporters uh, trying to get a run in on the treadmill. You notice the lungs burning a little bit more, especially when you're not a finely tuned professional athlete. Uh, so, but it was a great trip, and, and getting down to the Mexico experience in particular was unbelievable. And I had never been to Mexico City, so I didn't know what to expect. You hear people caution you about certain things, but. I did not. I could not have had a better experience. The people were so welcoming and friendly, and um, the atmosphere at the stadium was unbelievable. I'm not kidding, Aaron. When they did the national anthem, the Mexican national anthem, a mm-hmm. woman named Sofia Reyes, just beautiful voice, great singer. The whole stadium, like eighty thousand people joining, full throat singing the anthem with her, like goosebumps on on my arm, yeah. like legitimately, which I haven't had in a long time. It was an outdoor press box too, so you get that full like experience okay. of it. It was it was really cool. The Niners, of course, loved it, too. Um, they did get a, an outcome that made that easier, but I think they would have liked it either way. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I recommend it to anyone, any football fan, especially if your team is playing down in Mexico City. I, I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, all the feedback that I read, what I saw, the atmosphere looked incredible. The fans were definitely well versed in American football and cheering at the right times and and everything like that. And it seemed like it was a a pretty friendly crowd for the 49ers. It was a home game for you guys. And it seemed like it felt like it. Yeah, that was, it was interesting because, you know, they do the things like in the week leading up where they give you the the predictor of how many, you know, opposing fans will be there and Mm -hmm. Niners fans travel well anyway. So, you know, you see, especially like down in LA where it's, you know, 60, 65% 49ers fans that end up buying the tickets when they play the Rams. They projected 82% Niners fans last week. I would say it was probably closer to 90, just sitting there, like being yeah. in the stadium and hearing the reactions to everything. Um, but yeah, it, but I will say it's not just Niners fans traveling. 
they have a huge fan base in Mexico. And a lot of those fans were from Mexico who loved the team and got a chance to go see them in person. And, and they made, they clearly made the most of it. I think it probably even came through on TV. Did it not? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned having practiced in Colorado Springs, being there the week before the altitude. I mean, it was no joke. 7,200 feet above elevation. How was that? Did you talk to some of the players about what they were feeling during the game? Yeah, and you could see it in the game, too. And it went both ways, right? I wrote a big story about this last week, and I talked to a professor who studies, you know, the effects of altitude on human performance and athletic performance. And he's worked with Tour de France winners and Olympic medalists and things like that. And he's based there in Colorado. And he kind of explained the whole process to me. I am not a science person by any means. I I believe in science. I just don't know anything about it, right? So he kind of explained the whole process to me. And he said, you know, every 1,000 feet of elevation above sea level, level you go that you by you consume two percent less oxygen than you normally would and then that's multiplied by two in terms of how quickly you get to exhaustion so when you get up that high over seven thousand square feet you can get to exhaustion 28 percent quicker than you would at sea level just to give you like the kind of the math and the science behind yeah. it and you could see it in the players even early on there was a couple of 49ers that went down including cornerback Charvarius Ward and this is a good example so he didn't practice the first two days in Colorado. He was tending to a personal matter. And so he didn't get that whole week. And it's right out of the gate, the Cardinals were challenging him down the field. And so he was real busy mm -hmm. and he went down at one point. And it, I was like, I think he just might be like a little shocked here by how the elevation is affecting him. And sure enough, that was what it was. He went to the sideline, he took oxygen and he was back on the field. You could see the Cardinals were affected by it because they didn't do right. altitude acclimation. They, you know, they were doing things in their facility where they wear like the elevation mass and they were on the bike and stuff like that for a couple of weeks, but there's just really no way to fully prepare for it. And they say it takes three whole weeks to get fully acclimated to it. So even just in that one week, the 49ers weren't fully acclimated, but they certainly were a little bit ahead of the pace. And you could really see that in the fourth quarter. And there could be some benefits to it, you know, in terms of when they come back, coming back down to sea level, you know, I think I think maybe it could be good for them um, in terms of some of the extra oxygen that they're going to have at their disposal this weekend. What will the acclimation process be like coming back? Is it something like you mentioned where they'll just feel that much better? You know, they did have a lot of travel. They were away from home for a lot the past week or so. Yeah, not to get all Bill Nye, the science guy on you more <laughs> than I already have here. But but supposedly the way it works is, is the way your body acclimates is, is you you get more red blood cells and red blood cells are what, the, what the, as it was explained to me are the taxis of oxygen. So they distribute oxygen to your muscles and, and fibers and all that kind of stuff. And so when your body acclimates, it creates more red blood cells. And so those don't just go away when you come back to sea level. They're still there. So theoretically, at least. The 49ers should have more red blood cells, more taxis delivering oxygen to them this week. The flip side of that is, is it was a very long week. Mm -hmm. They had, they, it was very cold in Colorado and not so cold in Mexico, which was, which kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy that way. Um, and they have a short week too. So they're coming off of a short week, a, a very emotional week, a busy week, all those types of things. And so um, it can kind of cut both ways. I think one side, you know, from an acclimation process, their oxygen levels should be good. I know it's crazy that we're talking about this, but, uh, <laughs> but the other side, the other side of that is, is the travel um, that, that takes its toll. And the 49ers, I will say this, I've been covering them since 2016 
since 2019, they've taken a lot of trips where they've stayed like a week. You know, they go out east and they play a game, stay out east, play another game. Mm-hmm. When they've come back from those trips, they're one and four in the first game back home. Um, this isn't exactly the same because it wasn't two games on either side of the trip, but still a long time to be away. And I do think it takes a little bit of a toll. Okay. I like that stat. I like how that, that whole explanation <laughs> ended definitely in the saints favor there looking at this specific matchup. There have been so many things that the 49ers have been doing well over the past few weeks. What have they been doing offensively? I guess, since Christian McCaffrey joined the team since before week seven, that just yeah. worked so well. Yeah, it's 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 a number of things, but you mentioned the number one thing, which is Christian McCaffrey. And where he changes them isn't so much in the run game, which obviously he's a running back, and that's a huge part of what he does, but he's such a good pass catcher. I call him a professional chains mover because he's so good at picking up first downs where, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say in on a third and six, for example, will be going through his progressions and he can dump it down to a running back, and that running back might get four yards on a check down and you've got a punt. Well, Christian McCaffrey is so good at catching a ball and then making the first guy miss, and all of a sudden, third and six turns into a first down, whereas it might have been fourth and two and you had to punt before. And if you just look at some of the numbers since they've got here, I think they were 41% third down conversion rate, which wasn't bad, something like like something like middle of the pack before he got here. And since then, it's in the 50s. And so that's a big jump. And just staying on the field, those types of things where he gives them that versatility. And then I think what you've seen – especially against Arizona. And this is kind of what we've all been expecting for the 49ers is there's really a kind of a pick your poison element. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo calls it, where there's so many weapons now that it's really tough to defend them all. And you go to that Mexico city game and you always say like, how are you going to feed that many mouths? Right. You've got all these big star players. They've got egos, right? How are you going to keep them all happy? But they have found a way, at least they did the other night. And this is what they're hoping to do moving forward to keep everybody happy. George Kittle scores two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk scores two touchdowns. Debo Samuel gets a touchdown and has about a hundred yards of offense. Christian McCaffrey goes over a hundred yards. Of like, so everybody's eaten. Right. Um, and that's, and I think that's kind of what they're hoping for to continue moving forward. Because if you take one thing away, There's not just one other thing to try here. There's two or three. um, And I think that's what makes them dangerous right now. Well, when you score 38 points, there's a lot to go around. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, such a different place than he was at the beginning of the season, obviously not even knowing if he was going to be with the team, not the starter, everything changes week two. How have you seen him settle in? Because he seems like he's playing some of his best ball. He is. He's playing really well. And it, it's it's funny, Aaron, I, I was just tweeting about this uh, this morning because there's already a lot of talk about what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo next season. Right. Like uh, the Niners going to bring him back and we can't you know, he's going to be happy have... with what's going on right now. <laughs> never, never. We, we, <laughs> we always have to talk about the future. Right. But even with like what's going on with the Jets, people are like, is Jimmy going to go to the Jets? Because Robert Sala knows him and Mike LaFleur knows him and all that kind of stuff. And I just I, I always say pump the brakes a little bit, not only because of, you know, this is the future. You can't predict the future, but in his case specifically, like if you go back to last year, 2021, the 49ers went on a run and had a bad loss. They went on a run from week eight to week 15 before he got hurt against Tennessee, where he was playing great, like top three and QBR and all these different types of stats where he was, he was playing great. And everyone thought like, man, his trade value is going to be great in the off season because he's playing his best ball right now. And then he got hurt against Tennessee. He got hurt again against Dallas. Didn't play well in the playoffs. And he had to get surgery and there was no trade market for him. And so it's stating the obvious, right, to sit here and say he's got to stay healthy. You know, everybody's got to stay healthy. Right. We know that. But in his case, he's it's always been about can you stay healthy for the long term and can you stay consistent for the long term? And he hasn't been able to check that box. So 
I, I say all that to say, yes, he's playing great right now, and he should. He's got all those weapons around him. There's not really any excuse for him not to do well. And like I mentioned, Christian McCaffrey, having him as a checkdown option is as elite as it gets uh, in terms of keeping drives alive and giving him more opportunities. But the things he's doing, he's taking care of the ball, not turning it over, which is a step that they always wanted to see him take, and he's getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, and, and not even afraid to escape the pocket and make some plays off, you know, the first touchdown to Kittle the other night. Um, not afraid to, uh, you know, get out of the pocket and make something happen off schedule. So those are the things that they want to see from him. It's just a question of can he continue to do them over the long haul and stay healthy? Sure. Garoppolo over the last three games, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Things definitely bode well for him when he's not turning the ball over. The line has been doing a great job led by Trent Williams there. They've been helping to establish the run. I think a lot of the tight ends, other players are definitely jumping in as blockers as well. How much is that benefiting the offense? Yeah, it's huge, Aaron, because if you look at going into this season, the one thing that myself and everyone that covers this team talked about was the offensive line's a big question mark outside of Trent Williams. Like, you know what you're getting there, but especially on the interior, they have three new starters, a uh, new center, new right guard, new left guard. They lost Lakin Tomlinson, who was Mr. Reliability at left guard for so many years. And now they've got these three guys that you don't know what you're going to get. And one of them is a rookie. The other two, I think they had three total starts in the NFL between them. And that was all from their center, Jake Brendel. But offensive line play is so, you know, there's so much about just being together, getting the opportunity to play multiple snaps and working together and communication and all those things. And so it was a bit rocky and it has been uh, early in the season, but over this winning streak and here recently, you're starting to see that kind of come together a little bit. Jimmy does his part to help them by getting the ball out quick. And this offense is designed to get the ball out quick because they got a lot of guys who make plays after the catch. And that's what a big tenant of this team. I always say the Niners are about sacks and yak. That's how they're built. And so um, I think that is, is, is a big factor in it as well, but they are playing well. They're playing much better. The run blocking is getting better. And you're seeing, I thought a real interesting twist the other night for the first time, the Niners passing to set up the run instead of the opposite. Yeah. Uh, the 49ers love to run the ball, but you saw them in the first half, they threw 21 times to seven rushes, which is like unheard of for a Shanahan team, not just him, but his dad too. Um, but in the second half, you saw him come out and run it down Arizona's throat. And I think you're going to see more of that based on kind of the defensive looks that they're getting. They've been very creative offensively over the past few games. Definitely stood out for sure. On the other side of the ball defense, you mentioned sacks start with Nick Bosa for sure. 10 and a half second in the league right now in sacks. What makes him such a big threat? I think there's a couple, there's a few things that work there. One is they just trust him implicitly to do what he wants. Um, this is an attacking scheme, right? Like they, they want their defensive line. They play wide nine, get after the quarterback, the linebackers will clean anything else up. Right. So that's part of it. But the other thing is, is they have Nick Bosa has the freedom to move. If he wants to line up against the left tackle, he can do that. If he thinks it's an advantageous matchup, if he wants to go to the right side and do it against the right tackle, he can do that if he wants to. So he has freedom on any given play to line up basically wherever he wants. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of it. It helps him to get good matchups. Uh, the other thing is, is, he is just incredibly strong and athletic, um, but he also is fine-tuned. Like his technique and the things that he's doing, like him and his brother, I've reported a story that I'll be rewriting later this season that 
they they won't let anyone in like they have like the bosa secret sauce and they don't want to give away any of their secrets so you know you'll see like von miller's pass rush camp right well conspicuous in their absence when they do that is the bosa brothers right they don't they don't want to share the secrets and so um i think there's there's a few things that he does that uh maybe other guys aren't doing but he also can do them because he's such a good athlete so he's the best player on the team to me the most irreplaceable player on the team like you cannot there's no way that they can just plug in for him we've seen them kind of get over other guys being out and things like that but you know the one game he missed this year they lost 28 to 14 in Atlanta and a lot of it was because they couldn't set the edge against the run and that's an underrated part of Bosa's game we talked about the pass rush skills but outstanding against the run also um, and I don't think it was any coincidence that that happened that day when he didn't play mm -hmm. definitely somebody who I mean he's great like the Saints are going to have to know exactly where he is and what he's doing at all times overall the defense has forced 12 turnovers They've been very good. They're relentless. They're physical. I mean, fly all over the place. It They look pretty scary. I mean, they're the best defense overall in the NFL right now. What's led to that success? Yeah, there's a couple things. Number one, you know, the biggest weakness, because they were a very good defense last year, particularly down the stretch going into the playoffs. Um, but the number one thing they did in the offseason was they addressed their biggest weakness, which was cornerback. And if you look at the numbers last year, you'd say, oh, they weren't that bad. They're, I think past defense in terms of like yards given up, they were top two or three in the league, uh, lowest amount. But they also led the league in pass interference penalties by a healthy margin. They had a lot of yards that they allowed in that way. And the one big bite of the free agent apple that they took this offseason was cornerback Traverius Ward, um, who is a very underrated player, still has kind of the chip on his shoulder because he's your classic, you know, undrafted guy. I'm proving to everybody that I deserve this money and, and all of those types of things. And he's been a game changer. He's kind of reshaped that back end where even if the defensive line isn't getting the push that they expect it to, guys are a little stickier in coverage. The other thing is, is I don't know if it's talked about enough. Maybe it is. We talk about it out here. I just don't know if nationally it's kind of understood. They have the best core of linebackers in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Fred Warner, Aziz Alshire, and Dre Greenlaw, all great run and hit types of players, but they're also excellent in coverage. So they take away tight ends. They take away slot receivers. The middle of the field is like a no-fly zone. All that kind of stuff. Um, and, and like I was mentioning earlier, it allows that defensive line to just they can pressure. You know, I, I was talking to D'Amico Ryans about this last week because teams have been using a lot of screens against the Niners. They're getting a healthy dose of it the last few weeks. The Cardinals led the league in screens attempted. I said, you know, how do you kind of walk that line, you know, when teams are going to do that of we want the D-line to pressure, but we also need to make sure that we're not getting burned on the short stuff. And he said, well, we're going to keep doing what we do. And the reason that for that is, is they have just unbelievable faith in their linebackers to clean it up if things are wrong there. So I say all that to say that those are kind of the primary reasons that you're seeing this group still be really good. I think the one weakness that I would throw out there right now is, is, they have had some injuries at cornerback. Emmanuel Mosley, who they lost for the entire season, uh, was playing at a really high level. He and Ward were basically 1A and 1B. He's out for the year with an ACL injury. And then there's always that trickle-down effect. So they moved their their slot corner, Diamador Lenore, to the outside. They have a new slot corner. They got to figure that stuff out. And so there's a little – there's some there's some things, teams trying to take advantage of that. We saw that against Kansas City uh, before this little winning streak here. So those are all kind of the things that are working for and against them right now. But, but definitely, um, especially in the second – half of games they haven't given up a point in three weeks um they seem to be able to just kind of turn off the faucet when they really need to is that something that's been talked about as far as the team wanting to keep that streak going shutting people out in the second half 
Yeah, it's funny you say that, Aaron, because the other night, you know, they were playing all their backups at the end of the fourth quarter because the game was over. It was 38 to 10. Yeah. Nick Bosa was talking about how you know, he was standing on the sidelines wanting to go back in because he didn't want their streak to end. He's like, we don't <laughs> we want this. to We want this to continue. And they do. They take pride in it. And the fascinating thing is, is I was hard on them at the beginning of the year because they were really bad in the second half of games, particularly offensively. Uh, they weren't getting anything. But the last three games. They've outscored their opponents 54 to nothing in the second half, um, which by any measure is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think I think that is something that they take pride in. And the fact that they are able to continue to do that, you know, that's that's the kind of thing in January in postseason uh, that really pays off. If, if you can be a good second half team, a good finishing team, because this, you know, they had opportunities at the beginning of the season where they didn't do that. They lost that Bears game in week one in a monsoon because of it. They lost to Denver on Sunday night in week three because they couldn't come up with that one final stop. So so um, I think it's certainly a point of pride and something, you know, obviously they want to continue not giving up points, but even if they are giving up points, being a good second half team is a priority for them. Does pride go into their record at home? They're three and one there at Levi's stadium this season. Yeah, I think partially, you know, it's funny because previous years they've been better on the road than they have been at home. But um, something about it, they do seem a little bit more comfortable. And I think part of it they'll tell you is, is, you know, one of the big stories in the league right now is playing surface. And the mm -hmm. Niners believe they have the best grass surface in the league. Um, and so they love that. They feel really comfortable there and those types of things. Also, you know, teams have to travel as you're, as you're going to find out here. It's a, it's a long trip uh, to San Francisco to get out here. And so that's a, that's another little bit of an advantage for them. But yeah, I don't think they mind being at home and I will say we talk about this team and the position that they're in right now five of their seven final games are at home uh they've gotten all their tough travel out of the way so even the two road trips that they have it's Seattle and Vegas both Pacific time zones so they don't even leave this time zone again the rest of the year so I think they're pretty happy about that particularly after the long week-long trips they had earlier in the season out out east and then here recently mm -hmm. things definitely seem like they're shaping up well for the 49ers um, hopefully the saints can rattle them a little bit this weekend. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So happy early Thanksgiving. What games are you really looking forward to watching? Are you just going to sit back and watch every single one of them? Um, well, I, so my family is all in the Midwest. So I usually, what I like to do on Thanksgiving is I'll volunteer in the morning and go, uh, help feed people at, at a shelter. Um, so I've done that every year since I moved out here in 2016. And then I just go to the movies, which I know sounds really lame, but that's like, that's like one of my, one of my go-to things on Thanksgiving. So I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then I'll settle in for the afternoon and the, in the night games, but I'll probably skip to, I think it was a Detroit and Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably skip that one and then I'll be locked in or at least, you know, paying attention to uh, the Dallas game. And then the, it was at Vikings and Patriots at, at night. So that's yep. kind of, that's kind of my super lame Thanksgiving plan. And what movie are you going to? Uh, there's a, the new knives out movie, okay. uh, yeah. which I love the first one, yeah. uh, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be in theaters for long. It's like a Netflix thing and they're only letting it out for a week or something like that. So, um, I, that's, that's my plan. I've already reserved my ticket. So that's going to be, that's going to be the choice. Perfect. So no practice for you tomorrow. No, they don't have availability, which I can't say as someone who didn't sleep at all on Monday <laughs> or Tuesday uh, really affects me. That's really my honest answer. I'd probably be doing a lot of sleeping. I don't even need the tryptophan. My tryptophan was my trip to Mexico City. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with it. Well, enjoy the day off. I really appreciate you taking the time to give us some insight into the 49ers. And we look forward to being there this weekend. No problem. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. 
really appreciate Nick joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. Lots of great information on the 49ers. I hope everybody has a happy and safe Thanksgiving and get some time to spend with your families and friends. We'll be back with more Saints coverage on Friday as the Saints practice. We'll have a practice report and an injury report Friday before the team heads to San Francisco. And then Sunday, we'll have our pregame show an hour before kick on NewOrleansSaints.com and across our social media platforms. Make sure you download the Saints app presented by Verizon for all of the information, stats, and highlights throughout the game Sunday. Have a great holiday. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.